Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, Remember how for 40 years now the Lord your God has directed all your journeying in the desert, so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, who guided you through the vast and terrible desert with its seraph serpents and scorpions, its parched and waterless ground, who brought forth water for you from the flinty rock and fed you in the desert with manna, a food unknown to your fathers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has granted peace in your borders. With the best of wheat, he fills you. He sends forth his command to the earth, swiftly runs his word. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinances he has not made known to them. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 99.99% of children, if given the opportunity to choose their own diet, would eat only the following. Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, pizza from Domino's or Hungry Howie's or some other unimpressive chain, McDonald's cheeseburgers, Wendy's Frosties, preferably chocolate, Hershey's Kisses, and some, sh- and some sugar-loaded juice you suck out of a box. Oh, and of course, French fries, probably from Mickey D's too. As a child, I, of course, had a much more refined palate. You see, we never ate out, ever. Didn't have the money, for one thing. Eating in a restaurant with tablecloths, for me, was was akin to eating at Buckingham Palace. Not to say that I was easy to please, mind you. I still didn't like vegetables, or salad, or fish. 
My mom was a good Italian cook, so I ate a steady diet of spaghetti and meatballs, crusty Italian bread with slathers of real butter. Mom put basil, oregano, and garlic in everything she made, maybe even cakes and pies for all I know, so that counted as leafy green vegetables. And for the big treat of the year, exactly once a year, mind you, the last day of school, we would get lunch at McDonald's. I got a cheeseburger, fries, and a vanilla shake, I'm pretty sure. Eating having dinner at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse right right now wouldn't match the joy I felt eating at McDonald's back then. The point I'm making is this. Children have no idea what's good for them. They eat foods that taste good passing through their lips, which ultimately aren't really satisfying. That's why our parents work so hard to teach us how to eat right. And even then, we're not particularly good at it. I mean, come on, who doesn't like Chick-fil-A nuggets? The Hebrews in the desert during the Exodus had something in common with most children. They weren't all that receptive to the menu choices offered by their father, whom they really didn't know as a parent yet, but who they certainly knew as Lord. Kids much prefer the familiar, and this manna was certainly something new and not particularly tasty, especially when compared to the food back in Egypt. And getting water in the desert wasn't exactly a sure thing, setting aside the whole water from the rock trick that the Lord performed when things looked desperate. The Hebrews ate the manna because they were hungry, but they were to express their displeasure with the limited menu as the journey continued. This was not what they had in mind when they prayed for liberation from slavery to the Egyptian pharaoh. What they didn't realize is that their new diet plan was strengthening them for their journey and preparing them to become a great nation. But they had to trust the recommendations of the divine chef. This had been an issue before, of course. Remember way back in the Garden of Eden? By all estimates, the food was pretty good there. The Lord had just one restriction. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were free to ignore it, and so they did. Paradise lost followed by life as wandering Arameans, then slavery. Paradise, the promised land, was on the other side of a whole lot of sand, but there are no McDonald's in between, and a journey that may have taken 40 days or 40 months took 40 years. And so the owner of the vineyard sends his son, the heir, and he offers us once again a way to paradise, or actually quite an upgrade from Eden. He says to us, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. As we considered last week, the offer is eternal life, a share in God's own life, an impossibility for created beings. The manna was also bread from heaven, but it was like a coach class meal compared to the first class cuisine being offered on this flight. But just as before, we turn up our noses. We don't like the taste. We don't like being denied anything in Eden. And we didn't like the difficulty and simple food of the desert journey. This offer, however ultimately tempting in its goal, demands even more of its patrons. First, there is the cuisine itself. It's like offering a five-year-old liver and onions with a side of boiled Brussels sprouts. To share in the life of Jesus is to share in his sacrifice. It is to do the Father's will when you would rather say, Father, I'll pass on the cup you're offering if I have a choice. It demands simplicity of life and endurance of various trials. Can I just have chicken nuggets? Second, there's the seating arrangements. You see, despite 
the modern religious dynamic of choosing your favorite preacher and your worshiping community and your ecclesiology and even your own customized version of the Ten Commandments, that's not really what Jesus has to offer. St. Paul wrote to a Corinthian community that he criticized for its divisions along economic and cultural and personal categories. When they gathered to celebrate the Eucharist, it is to share a common meal, and they were not doing so. Instead, dividing up into factions, even as a community of disciples. St. Paul makes it clear that what they've ordered is not on the menu. He says, brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. One loaf, one sacrifice, one body. It means gathering and sharing the sacred meal and the sacred journey with those whom you may not choose to associate. And it's safe to say that they'll challenge more than your food preferences. You'll be compelled to love them or to not partake of the meal at all. You know, if you put Brussels sprouts in front of me as a child, there's no way I would have eaten them. Now I'm actually quite fond of the little guys. I admit a little bacon and balsamic drizzle helps. And while writing this reflection, I also learned something new. They are Brussels sprouts, named for the capital city of Belgium, where they were cultivated in the 16th century, and not Brussels sprouts, which is what I always thought they were. I would have never known that had I not finally given in to trying them again. On this solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, we are called to consider in which loaf and which cup we are invited to share. It's not chicken nuggets and a frosty. It's a nourishing meal of sacrifice. Yeah, that means suffering. Shared with those who will stretch us, and I mean stretch us, to love more. But it's the only meal that will sustain us for eternity. If it's all the same, though, I'd still like fries with that. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, and say a prayer for me. Thank you.